0: This is Score to Death Radio from the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I'm your host, Jay Blake Fischera, and I'm the author of the books Score to Death Conversations with Some of Horror's Greatest Composers and its sequel, Score to Death 2. More conversations with some of horror's greatest composers as well as the host of Score to Death the Podcast. On this episode, we will be diving into one of the horror genre's most popular franchises and celebrating the music of the Halloween film series. To assist me on this exploration of some of horror's most iconic music, I will be joined by talented writer, film journalist, and composer, Jerry Smith. And in case you haven't checked it out yet, you can read about the scores for Halloween's 1 through 6 in my first score to death book. But let's not waste any more time and kick things off with one of my favorite versions of John Carpenter's classic Halloween theme. We just heard composer John Ottman's orchestral reimagining of the Halloween theme for 1998's Halloween H2O, directed by Steve Miner. So today we're chatting with Jerry Smith. First, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. Uh,
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, My name is Jerry Smith. I am a film journalist for different magazines and websites, as well as a composer for... uh, A lot of short films in the last couple of years, but no features yet, but fingers crossed. So that is what I do.
0: And uh, Jerry is a fellow horror lover, fellow film music lover, and a fellow Halloween lover. So that's why Jerry is sitting in with us today. Before we jump into more music, let's talk just a little bit about the importance of the Halloween series. Like, Why do you think Halloween has kind of stood the test of time and why was it so important when it came out?
1: More than just the typical, it was scary as hell, because I do think it is. It's the John Carpenter's, you know, 1978 film, Halloween. Like, it's still, to me, the scariest movie ever made. I'm, I'm so used to it. I haven't seen it hundreds of times, but it still gets under my skin. But for me personally, I, you know, really quickly, I was a survivor of childhood abuse. And my mom had her back broken by my stepdad at the time. And she we lived next door to a theater. And she gave me enough money, basically, to stay in the theater next to us from open to close every day to, you know, avoid my stepfather. And the very first film that I got into there as a seven-year-old, and this is pre-Columbine, so they didn't really card you for movies, was Halloween 4 by myself in a theater. And from that moment, I just fell in love with just the idea of trying to survive the night from some almost unstoppable force coming after you. And, you know, I, I quickly the same week discovered the original film. And the series, I think, in a lot of ways, is is about that. It's about surviving. It's about evil. It's about good over evil. And it's about, you know, the the lasting effects of that kind of stuff. So that's why I latched onto it. You know, as
0: famous and popular as it is, I feel like we still, we kind of take Halloween for granted. What I always say about John Carpenter is... Of all of the filmmakers from his generation, he was, especially in the horror genre, he was definitely like more of a craftsman. And his films from the very beginning just had way more polish and uh, almost professionalism in the way they were executed than a lot of his contemporaries. And I think that really shines through and is why Halloween still works today for even the not diehard horror fans.
1: Oh, most definitely. The the way it's made and just how much elbow grease, I think Carpenter, Deborah Hill, Nick Castle, I mean, everyone involved in that first film, how much they put into that, it speaks for itself. And it is a film that I think that we all take for granted, like you said. But I mean, I could take a few months away from that movie and revisit it and still be just as blown away as I was the first few times. It, it really just stands the test of time for me.
0: Let's check out a couple of tracks from the original score. was The Shape Stalks, followed by Lori's Theme, composed by John Carpenter with some assistance from synth guru Dan Wyman from the 1978 groundbreaking horror classic, Halloween. And the way we kind of set this up is, for the most part, for the listeners so they understand, I reached out to Jerry because I know Jerry loves Halloween as much as I do, if not more so. And so I uh, gave him some homework, and most of what we're listening to today are... The tracks that he chose, and I'll point out the first track that we listened to was one that I chose to kind of get us into things. A very different vibe from all the other tracks we're going to listen to today. But uh, right here, Shape Stocks and Lori's Theme are kind of quintessential Halloween. Of all the tracks from that soundtrack, which aren't many, why did uh, we go with these, Jerry?
1: See, I love the, the Halloween theme. I mean, it, it gets burned into your head as a child and, you know, you'd take it throughout your whole life. But these two tracks very specifically, they're the ones that I tend to really focus on. The shape stalks, it's such a terrifying piece of music and it really fits the visuals that's going on and it adds such tension and just dread to that scene. I I love that one.
0: Yes, like everybody knows the Halloween theme. Like you said, it's kind of burned into our brains. And even though there isn't like a lot of, varied music in the movie because I mean Carpenter recorded it in something like three days or something like that there are more memorable themes that I think people give this soundtrack credit for these are two perfect examples I'm like I love Lori's theme
1: oh yeah Lori's theme is probably without a doubt I think my favorite cue on that first first film because it, it, it's kind of comforting but it's very like terrifying at the same time to where like you, when, when it's played in the film like, you know, something's waiting for Lori on the other side when she gets there. But the way that that piece of music kind of comforts you and terrifies you at the same time, it's great.
0: Of all the horror scores, why is this one always seem to be the one that gets brought up the most or at least within the top five? Like, what is special about this music?
1: Honestly, I think it, it lies in simplicity. You know, like I, I love big bombastic scores, you know, like Hans Zimmer stuff, but like i think how stripped down the halloween score is it's easy for its its audience to for those tracks to kind of like get embedded into you know inside of you to where they play over and over and adds that dread that the film captures so well i i think the music like it just speaks for itself it's just also an album that you could listen to separate from the film and it has its own unique experience
0: well since we're moving forward with uh <laughs> The momentum of these scores. Let's move on to Halloween 2. And uh, we'll listen to a couple of tracks from Halloween 2 and then a track from Halloween 3 as well. I'm Jay Blake Fischera and you're listening to Score to Death Radio from the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Just heard The Shape and Lori's Room and Operation Room from 1981's Halloween 2, directed by Rick Rosenthal, and Chariot of Pumpkins from 1982's Halloween 3 season of The Witch, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace. Both scores are by John Carpenter in association with Alan Howarth. And one thing I do want to mention, and, and uh, I feel like I should note, is that For some of these soundtrack albums, the track titles vary by release. For instance, Operation Room is called In the Operating Room, depending on which version of the soundtrack you have, in case anybody's scoring at home. So what we have here is Alan Howarth's introduction to the Halloween score. Alan is a sound engineer, synthesizer wizard that gets introduced to John Carpenter while he's making Escape from New York. And Alan helps him with the score for Halloween two, and that's why we have kind of a more synth-heavy version of this score. And what I love about the tracks you picked is that I feel like these are some of the tracks that I think exemplify Alan's contribution to the score probably more than anything.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I love what Alan Howard brings to the Halloween series, and I feel like when talking about the music, you know, his name isn't brought up as much as it should be. Taking what Carpenter laid down in the first film and adding that kind of very synth-heavy approach with the second film... Uh, there's a lot of tone and a lot of mood in the in the two tracks that I chose for Halloween, too. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with just this really great soundscape that Howard puts in most of his work. So it, it almost feels effortless, you know, when it comes to Howard. Like, he, he really has a knack for giving a, a really big soundscape and mood in his stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I often think Alan doesn't get enough credit in general when it comes to Carpenter's 80s output. All of those scores were created in Alan's house, on Alan's equipment. The sound pellet that we think of when we think of quintessential John Carpenter was given to Carpenter by Alan Howarth. And one thing about this score is when I interviewed Alan for my first book, and I also interviewed him for a kind of Halloween special of Squirted at the Podcast a few years ago, is according to Alan, for the most part, Carpenter was off doing like the thing. And he was tasked with Deborah Hill to kind of create a score from the original tapes from Halloween. And so according to Alan, anyway, this is very much a uh, patchwork of taking John's original score from Halloween, inserting it where it would naturally fit in the context of the story and everything. But then there needed to be filler tracks that would connect John's various themes and so Alan built on top of the, those original tracks with a lot of the synth stuff that we're talking about. But then I feel like there's tracks like these that we just listened to for Halloween, too, where he kind of fills in some of those gaps and writes some of the stuff himself.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it really speaks volumes on how much Howarth brings to the table because, I mean, yeah, taking everything that Carpenter had done and kind of. You know like you said the patchwork over it and also providing just a lot of ambiance that that's my favorite thing about halloween 2 is the ambiance just kind of like you feel it in the air with a lot of what howarth brings to the table
0: and of course howarth and carpenter end up working together again on halloween 3 and the track we listen to here is probably the most famous track from that soundtrack and i would imagine now for most carpenter fans and uh, a lot of horror fans, probably one of the most favorite tracks they ever did together. Chariot of Pumpkins.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I love it. Uh, What's really great about this one. I I think is that Chariot of Pumpkins is a good example of what Halloween three was going for, you know, like they wanted the fan base of the ones that that came before they wanted them back for this movie, but they wanted to give them something very different. And I think Chariot of Pumpkins kind of has that mood that they established in Halloween two, but does something very different. And, there's, there's uh, I think, a more consistent beat to what's going on, too.
0: Since we're going to chronological order, let's move on to Halloween 4. J. Blake Fischera, and you're listening to Scored to Death Radio from the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. We started that block off with two cues from Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, released 10 years after the original in 1988 and directed by Dwight H. Little. We played the Halloween 4 theme and open. We followed those up with the title track from 1989's Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, and The Rage Must Die. Both of these scores are by Alan Howarth, and this is Alan's first step into working as a solo composer.
1: What I love about the scores for both Halloween 4 and 5 is that you finally get to see Alan really going for it himself. Like, yeah, there's, there's familiar themes from the past films, but right from even just the Halloween 4 theme itself, like, you know, this is going to be something different. And with the opening cue, the open Halloween four has always had my favorite credit sequence because it really gets you into the vibe of the fall season. And that opening cue really shows that it really brings you into this kind of like fall season ambiance, but also having something very unsettling underneath it.
0: It is very interesting to see Alan take these established themes and kind of rework them because he also admittedly, you know, the way he puts it is like he learned how to score films at the school of film scoring by John Carpenter. <laughs> you know, he didn't know how to do it before that. It was working with Carpenter that allowed him to have the ability, not just through the connections he made through working with John, but kind of learning how to do it. And so it's interesting to see him take his first steps, staying within the same realm, using a lot of the same sounds that he used when he was working with Carpenter because they're around the same time. I mean, 88 is uh, Halloween 4, but it's also They Live, which I think think is the last time they worked together and also knowing alan now and having talked to him a bunch like knowing how excited he is about technology and by this point samplers you're having he's getting to play with more stuff having more things sampled and that starts to come really into play with halloween 5 where he starts like stacking piano sounds on top of each other and creating these like piano scapes that aren't playable by one person but he's able to layer them
1: i get so excited Every time I watch Halloween Five, I, I've always thought that it was about seventy percent terrifying, thirty percent just off the wall. <laughs> but what one of the things I just love about the movie is how unique the score is. Like the way that Alan, especially in in the theme for five, you know, the Revenge of Myers cue, the way that he does sound design and sound effects within the theme, like the stabs that you see when they're stabbing the pumpkin in the credits, you would assume that that's just part of like, you know, the folly work and stuff, but that's actually part of the cue. And I I love the way he seems to just go for broken Halloween five. And I think it's one of the most unique scores of the whole series.
0: Alan, for people that don't know, like his first job in film was creating the sounds of the Enterprise for Star Trek The Motion Picture. So he comes from more of a sound background when it comes to film. And so it wasn't until he worked with John where he started getting more into the music aspect of it, even though he was a very musical guy, was always in bands, was the synth roadie for the band Weather Report (laughs) in the 70s. So, I mean, he definitely has had those abilities and that interest, but his way into... Film was through sound, and I think you you start to see that a lot more with the score for Five, with the stuff you're talking about. Let's move on to something from one of the least popular films of the series, <laughs> uh, Halloween Six. <laughs> It was important for me to get something from 1996's Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, into the show because it's a score that, although I'm not totally in love with the film itself, I I like 4 and 5 way better. I do love Alan's score. So I slept in a cue by Alan called Thorn Runes. Then we jumped forward in time over two decades with my favorite cue from 2018's Halloween, composed by John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies. And lastly, we had something new. We closed out that block with Rampage from 2021's Halloween Kills, also composed by John, Cody, and Daniel. But I chose this cue specifically from Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, because this is, in my opinion, the most Carpenter cue in any of the Halloween movies. (laughs) And and Alan did it by himself. But it definitely has shades of Maury Cohn's stuff from The Thing. It definitely has shades from Prince of Darkness. But now... You know, 2018 rolls around and John Carpenter re-enters the picture for the Halloween series. He, his son, and what he calls his godson, Daniel Davies, produce a new score that quickly became one of my favorite scores of the series. What do you think about his return as a composer to
1: the series? I love it. I, I love his score for 2018's film, especially bringing his son Cody and godson Daniel Davies into the fold. I mean, you know, Carpenter had worked with Daniel's dad Dave on Village of the Damned. And so it almost seems like a passing of the torch in some ways to the next generation. But what I love about the score for 2018 is it doesn't seem to have any preciousness being held towards the original music. Like it it uses the theme here and there, but it's very much its own thing. And The Shape Hunts Allison, I think, is one of the best cues of the entire series.
0: I agree. And it has Cody written all over it. There is no way John plays (laughs) <laughs> the piano lines on that and just knowing Cody following his career listening to his music you could definitely see Daniel and Cody's stamp on a track like this, which I think is great. And I I think it's a better score for
1: it. That and 2018's film and Halloween Kills both have scores that, like you said, are very collaborative. You hear any guitar work on both of those films and you instantly, you immediately know it's Daniel Davies because he has a very specific tone. And like the way that all three of them work together, you could tell that they're it like for once Carpenter's just able to have fun doing this stuff again.
0: Uh, before we go, anything you want to plug? Where can people find you?
1: Uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, I'm at, at Jerry is just okay. Uh, I'm releasing a new EP titled Spells on Halloween, October 31st, under the Rainy Days for Ghost moniker. If you want to hear any of that music, it's rainy days for ghosts.bandcamp.com. So, uh, yeah, that's where
0: I am. Before we go, we're going to play one more from the new Halloween Kill soundtrack. This one is called Michael's Legend. I'd like to thank Jerry Smith for joining me on today's episode. Please make sure you check out his music. If you like the kind of atmospheric synth stuff we've been listening to today, I'm sure you'll love it. If you want to know more about the first six Halloween scores, check out my detailed interviews with John Carpenter and Alan Howarth in the original Score to Death book. I'm Jay Blake Fisher, and you've been listening to Score to Death Radio from the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Make sure you come back next time for more of horror's greatest film music.